Welcome to Three Factor Idea Podcast. I'm your host, Vladimir Novik. I'm developer advocate for a company called Hasura. Hasura is an open source engine that gives you auto-generated real-time GraphQL API on top of new or existing Postgres database. You can deploy it to any cloud as well as to extend it with your own business logic, both by using your own GraphQL server or using serverless functions. I'm also a Google developer expert in web technologies, author, public speaker, and a consultant in web, mobile, AR, VR, and IoT fields. Today, we have a honored guest and hopefully our, our future panelist, Gent Laborg. <laughs> hey, <Yeah>. everybody. <laughs> hey, Gent. So Gent is uh, a chief technology strategist at uh, InfiniTread, Google developer expert, worldwide speaker, author, open source contributor, and like whatnot. Like you do like almost anything I can imagine, right? Yeah, I do so, exactly like one eighth of what you do. And that's what... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. So, like, if you haven't met Gant, you should totally come to one of the conferences he's speaking at and definitely say hi. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's that's the reason to go to a conference, right? It's to get to meet yeah. people. <laughs> he has also really great stickers of, of himself doing, like, med scientist stuff, <laughs> right? That's right. That's that's actually kind of I guess what what made us uh, become friends is that we're both <laughs> we're both hoping to become mad scientists as soon as possible. Yeah. Speaking of that, we actually have a, a organization on GitHub which for now is empty, but like you totally <laughs> can contribute there, right? And yeah. uh, it has like some kind of weird projects that you can put inside that will be totally mad scientist lab. Yeah. I actually I have our first project nearing completion. Uh, it's about. 85% done. So uh, we should have some activity there pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so like uh, to uh, explain to our listeners what InfiniTread uh, company is, so I want to say like InfiniTread is 100% remote only company mm-hmm. that does React Native development for lots of clients worldwide. And they yeah. specialize in both web and mobile um, and well-known in React Native scene as a top-notch development agency. Yeah. as well as organizer of Chain React. Uh, I think it's like the biggest or one of two biggest React Native conference in the world. Yeah. Am I correct? Like with yeah, the- I, I, we, we have about, um, we have over 500 people going to Chain React. Um, it's probably, it wants to get bigger, but we really love that sort of theater, one stage, one track feel. Um, some people love those and some people don't like them. We make sure that since it's one track, we put the best of the best in front. We make sure everything's going smoothly and, uh, we have a blast every year. And so even though it would make sense to get multi-track, bigger venues and stuff like that, uh, we, we can't do it. We, we, we're too in love with that idea. So yeah, uh, the U S react native conference and it's huge. I mean, it's packed to the walls every time. Yeah, and actually, like it's a good thing you mentioned. It's it's an actual theater, so it's like the the really yeah. great experience, like being in the th- theater, uh, watching awesome talks, and uh, you already have uh, tickets for sale, right? For the Chain React. Yeah, they're gonna go on sale January twenty eighth. We did our first uh, flight of early bird, um, and of course, like that went out. So the early bird uh, pricing January twenty eighth is the next chance. If you're listening to this after that, hurry up and buy it as soon as you can. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild year this year. We have, we have some surprises for everybody. 
<laughs> oh, that, that, that's uh, super great. So I, I also know like you into like teaching stuff lately, like you have like some kind of academy thing, right? Yes. Yeah, so um, what we found is that with consulting, we, we chat with people. It's it's a really about connecting with the, the human to, to get to the technology rather than a lot of other people go through the technology to get to the people. And with consulting, we have to talk to people first. And that basically filled our company with people who like to teach. And so we kind of realized that we've been teaching so much, it needs to be more um, centered. And so we opened academy.infinite.red, which is basically if you can't afford our full onslaught of, you know, uh, building your app, working with your team, kind of like uh, teaching you through consulting. We, we offer a three-day course, and we're working on multiple levels of courses. So you can always like fly us out to you. Uh, we can show you everything that we know about React Native as fast as you can consume it. And then um, it, it's, it's actually been one of our most rewarding uh, processes that we've done. We keep in touch with the people that we've trained, and uh, we kind of get updates from them. And uh, it, it's really, really nice. But then again, you know, you can't do teaching all the time. So this is a perfect yeah. uh, one-two punch for, for what we need. Yeah, that, that sounds like a really great experience, both for, for like the company uh, and, mm -hmm. and both for the, the people. And actually the fact that you even still being a, a remote company, you still fly people to the like uh, client's offices. It's a really important part because sometimes uh, clients uh, definitely want to have so somebody like on site for like short amount of time to explain yes. like concepts and stuff like that and it, it's really important that you give this service you yeah. know you get that vlad because here's the thing uh, most of us don't have any idea until we do it what remote work is and remote work isn't the concept that you should never be in person um it's the concept that you don't have to be in person you don't have to sit in your car and drive to the office but if you want to work in a in an office or an environment, uh, you could choose which days that you can do that and which days you don't. You can optimize yourself. And I think that it's funny. Everybody thinks like, oh, you'll never. You're kind of going against your philosophy. No, our philosophy is do what's best. And I think remote work is going to be the future. And it's it's just so much better, uh, as you know, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's already there. Like, I mean, lots of companies already switching to remote work. And we, we definitely should do like a podcast, like totally on remote working. Because like, yes. I know like, I have a bunch of tips, you have a bunch of tips, like a bunch of people that we both know. And uh, obviously, like our listeners know like several people that they can recommend for like being future guests. Mm -hmm. um, they can um, share a bunch of tips for, for remote working. And uh, yeah. yeah, we definitely should do that podcast. Nice. Uh, so, like, speaking of like podcast team, so uh, since it's like like our first uh, podcast, I think I owe like to you and to listeners an um, explanation why it's called Three Factor Radio. Yeah. Right. So the name is like, uh, like what what does it mean? Right. So like Three Factor Radio is a podcast. It's inspired by a Three Factor App Architecture proposal, and this proposal is about modern software architecture design. It's uh, basically an architecture that helps you build modern apps um, fast. This important part, like doing this fast using real-time GraphQL API, eventing, and serverless. 
So there is um, like a website. Uh, I will share the link on uh, like my VIX for today. Uh, it's uh, like HTTPS three factor up. You can read more about that. And uh, yeah, so that that's where the name come, um, comes in. So the idea is basically everything GraphQL, serverless, and venting will be on this podcast. And mm-hmm. uh, today we'll mostly talk about GraphQL, I guess, and like a little bit about serverless. And uh, yeah. Um, so um, like, without uh, further ado, I I want to ask you like just like giving a brief intro about how you got into programming in general, like ending up like at, at this point where you Google developer expert, well-known speaker worldwide and like, uh, like how, uh, how the process of uh, uh, getting to this position went. Uh, well, you know, programming's just always been that, I mean, everybody kind of starts with video games <laughs> where, <laughs> where, where something becomes tangible and something becomes real. And I think that that's kind of like um, being able to have some control over that. It, I, being awake during the invention of the internet, right? I mean, awake, meaning that I, I got to see it, right? I wasn't just alive. I actually got to see it. Yeah, I feel old. <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it, what's what's kind of cool about it is seeing that happen. Um, how could you not get drawn into technology as technology started to like uh, start being in everything? Um, and so being being able to edit, uh, work with code, it didn't come naturally. I wasn't a mathematician. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't like scientifically i was scientific but not engineering uh centered as a child and through programming i've i've gotten this passion for it and i've found the the sort of like the the science and it's exciting and now if i can make an led light up or you know i mean like the stuff you've been doing like you did a ton of uh, augmented reality and virtual reality yeah. stuff last year I mean, it's like the threshold between us and the virtual world is getting so much cooler. You you, yeah. you want to be a part of it because, uh, you know, I meet people every day that have app ideas and I meet very few people who can build them. I want to be one of the people who can build it. That, that, that's really inspiring, man. I mean, like for um, like junior developers that look forward into um becoming like more senior and like exploring ecosystem um i think it's it's important for to, to also understand that even though some of them may have um frustration about the fact that like lots of things to learn right it it's yeah. like a never ending process and you need to enjoy every minute of it it's like the yeah uh, something we both agree on i guess yeah it was the saying you know if you enjoy what you do you never work a day of your life because it's you're just doing what you're passionate about, and it, it's not hard to uh, really kind of find that fire for technology. Um, at the same time, you almost feel like an advocate to defend and protect, you know, the humanity inside of that technology as well. Because uh, you know, lots of people get turned into algorithms. Lots of people turn into numbers. And, you know, when you understand those concepts, you can kind of show up and have some authority in saying, like, you're doing this wrong and you can't use uh, you can't use technology like this. So I think that, like, it's about having control 
over your life, you know, as, as things kind of get that way. And, and it's always something you wish you had more of. Everybody wishes they had more powers, more control, more ability. And I think that that's the passion that can also fuel uh, people who are new to this kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree with that. Um, so I, I have the, the question regarding like um, being like chief technology strategist. So like to my perception, the title basically means that uh, you basically the person that decide. Well, obviously with the team, but you're the person that decide which technologies to use for the project. So is that actually the case, or am I completely wrong with that? No, that's that, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Um, technically, so, so our CTO. Uh, is Jamin Holmgren, and he's been working really hard on um, organizing, setting up good patterns, working with the team, and, and in a lot of ways, the the chief technology strategist is is a person who gets to do a bit more of the research side, the adventure side, and then I, I guess at the same time, I get to sort of go out into the world and, and check out things and kind of come back and report on how it's going. And with uh, with Jamin sort of like making sure that the ship is running, uh, I get to I can actually kind of go off and, and adventure, uh, be the mad scientist. Right. And then come back. Yeah. And he and I together, we, we have conversations about what what's a good strategy for for us, because, you know, technology is changing every day. The number of modules you need, the, the style of programming that you need to do. Um, how teams work together, especially remote, that's that's so evolving. It really does need a, a person kind of dedicated to the team. Yeah, totally. As like so, you like experimenting with different types of technology and basically evaluate if it's like usable for like future projects and if it's like uh, good for the like upcoming project or even maybe good for like existing project to switch to something else if yeah the, like and, is and in the reverse like how well was it received did you know doing surveys with the team um do they know about the information did i properly present it to them um how, how is it going <laughs> or are they are they just frustrated with like was it a decision that i liked that no one else likes you know that as much as I try to do research, that can happen, and I need to be ready to go ahead and pull the plug if I if I implemented something that we were if Jamin and I together like said this is a great path to go down, and then we're like nope that's actually a waste of time and energy. So it's it's the research plus the how did it do? Uh, Got gotcha. you. So um, yeah, sounds like really fun uh, things, and uh, yeah, very important. <laughs> title in the, in the company yeah we call it the company so yeah. um yeah let, let's talk a little bit about graphql so um yeah i assume like um you like uh infinitrad uses like cutting edge technologies so probably you've used graphql infinitrad for a bunch of projects so mm-hmm. um my question is like if that's the case um have you seen specific benefits that it bring uh to like developing a project using graphql i guess yeah, we love, 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 love GraphQL. The one gotcha that we have is that in a consultancy, our, our biggest problem is that a lot of the people that we're working with haven't really kind of used it yet. So in some ways, 
we actually have to proselytize GraphQL as a as a solution. And if we can get the clients to use it, uh, then all the better. But actually, we're we're in a current state where we know GraphQL is eating the world. We know that um, we can actually use it for local state. We can use it for offline. We we can kind of stitch um, all these different kind of schemas together. But we've kind of got this wide adopt adoption of um, everybody still believing in restful resources and still doing them wrong, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I've never met a restful resource that's been done 100% to the white paper, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's just the the momentum and the popularity of REST is actually the biggest holdback on us delivering GraphQL apps at the magnitude that we'd love to. Uh, yeah, so it like brings me to um, like another point. So um, that you also like, speak of like client convincing clients to using GraphQL. So uh, let's say you you have a new client, right? So a right. client gives you like a green light on like proposing an architecture for a client, but uh, it's still not convinced that um, it's supposed to use GraphQL. So how you will try to convince client that? Like GraphQL is a good solution for for him. Like maybe it's development speed, maybe like other things. Like what what you would suggest to the, uh, to the client? Well, I think that a lot of it comes down into just uh, if they if they plan on being successful, they're going to have to version their REST API, and that's going to be if most people can't get REST correct. They can't get versions <laughs> of RESTful API correct. And I find that um, GraphQL is asking for the, the data that you want, right? You don't yeah. have to um, you don't have to suffer the old slings and arrows of of REST API. And I think that that's a that's a strong motivator. It's like if you are investing in this, right? And you want it to survive several iterations. Not only do you want to use the technology that's um, pushing apps like that forward, you also don't want to find yourself in the in the same kind of sludge that the the popular um, technology will be. So I, I think that what happens is it's not like there's still a test out there uh, on whether or not GraphQL is feasible. And anybody who's looking to invest should be investing in in something that's stable and scalable. So I guess there's like a good list of examples and, and pitfalls that we can always show. But for the most part, uh, it, it's I, I don't see any kind of competitor right now. And yeah. until there is, the decision's quite clear. Yeah, so let, let's say if you have a client that he's still he's not cons, uh, convinced, he may be stubborn or like I don't know, like it's it's not convinced mm-hmm. that GraphQL is, is a solution. Have you thought about like proposing maybe gradual adoption of GraphQL, maybe like separating oh. like, application and just like doing not the POCs because clients let, let's face it, clients don't like POCs, right? They want uh-huh. features to release. But like having like parts of your application written in GraphQL and just like showing what's the difference and like how it's faster and yeah, yeah like I, I love this idea. Have you have you ever actually? So I'll turn the question around because the thing is I've never um, 
suggested a gradual adoption of GraphQL. Um, what have have you done it? And if so, like, what are the steps that you kind of tell the client? Because that's that's actually yeah. a great idea. Yeah. So, like, what what uh, what I'm trying to um, uh, like, I, I had this uh, previously, and what I try to push to the clients is like, okay, fine, you want to use REST, we can um, set up like REST for most of the app, but we will try maybe new features to release them based on like some uh, kind of GraphQL uh, API, mm-hmm. right? So the question here is yeah. like why the client should adopt, like create a new server, host it somewhere and stuff like that. that that's a typical question. So that's where all the like serverless platforms uh, yeah. like that, uh, has this like three-factor app architecture uh, comes in because like everything is like... Um, Real, real time and you build it fast you actually don't need to invest resources in creating your own server right and that's where where it shines right so you show it to the uh, to the client and show that you don't need to invest into creating the actual server mm-hmm. and you even like well, specifically like with hasura for example you can tell the client okay fine you have a postgres database right mm-hmm. you don't want to create a server that's fine that's totally fine so you can r- run it on top of Postgres database and of existing data, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe like you had like a monolith app with like here, well, uh, not here, but you have like lots of data in this Postgres da- database. And you can run it like uh, with Hasura and then you will get GraphQL API without any uh, like uh, writing your own server. Right. And you will have all relations in database figured out. You will have a bunch of queries. And we actually need to like stream that thing. We probably need some point like live code the thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, I will show you how, how it's actually done. And nice. uh, yeah, that, that's one of the of the things that uh, I show to the clients. And um, yeah, not, not not only with Hasura, but in general, just like showing uh, where GraphQL shines and letting them um, separate their app to some kind of endpoints that uh, some parts of logic that can be created with GraphQL API. I think that's a really interesting perspective on how to do it because usually you have, and um, please don't think of me poorly for saying it this way, you have a lethargy with your client where they just don't want to, they have an API, they know it works, right? And they're saying, why would I take something that, completely works like that's the most software uh like fight in the world right this works perfectly you have to convince me on why we are ripping this thing that works perfectly out in order to put something there and your solution here is don't don't rip it out let me let me build something let me show you something and you know if you like this and, and I can show you the benefits with this, then, uh, you know, there, there's no ripping. It's sort of like um, it's brownfield development in a way, right? Yeah. You, you've, yeah. Got this, you've got this sort of like new structure going up alongside this pre-existing structure to, 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 and in software, you can do that, show them. And if they don't like it, you can make that structure disappear, but more than likely they'll love the new building better. 
Yeah, and sometimes, and also there is like another concept that you can try with new clients, especially when they don't want even to let you uh, like create new features with like the setting new GraphQL endpoint and stuff like that. You can uh, show them that, for example, f- with REST, the common use case that let's say you have an app that has a bunch of posts and you have a bunch of um, um, authors and comments and stuff like that. So let's say you want to get a bunch of posts and you want to get author details, mm-hmm. you want to get comments and stuff like that. Yeah, so we're classic. talking here about several REST requests, right? Yeah. So in terms of how much round trip you have to the server, that's also like a selling point because uh, mm-hmm. people understand, even like the most stubborn uh, clients that understand that, that don't want to adopt GraphQL, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. they stop. I'm saying like everyone has its own reason, right? So right. maybe client has like a really invested into this REST API and he doesn't want to like rewrite everything or just wrap everything. But you can uh, show to the client that um, the overhead of having multiple requests and lowering the page index and having like worse performance on mobile because of these like several requests yeah uh, it's worth the while to create maybe maybe not rewriting the whole api but even creating like graphql server uh, wrapping your uh, existing rest api because as you know yeah. resolvers <laughs> that basically can access the same like endpoints and just uh, uh, consolidate the data i know like the yeah. performance is not a good thing to do, but I mean it's like the the worst case scenario when the client doesn't want like to do anything with GraphQL, like almost anything. Right? Well, you know what's funny is uh, you you always have the problem where um, the API is the most unstable portion of building an app, and I actually have tests. I wrote a blog post about writing a test that can tell you. Um, if like your app breaks, the first thing I'd run is, did the API change or did my app break? <laughs> because we've had so many situations where the client would modify the API on us. Uh, and, and that's actually the worst thing. So like usually we'll bring up, it would be nice if I could get these three bits of data with one call instead of three calls to get you know the same information. And what they're like, oh, no problem. Uh, we'll just edit the the API. And when you hear that, a little part of my brain says, oh, no. They, they love changing their API a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a good chance that one day all the projects will just not work. And I'll have to run that test that says, by the way, snapshot tests of the API say that they changed the API and it broke this. It was not your app. It was the contract between the two. And yeah. uh, I, I think that it's good. You could really speed things along if, like, please don't touch the API. I will make the modifications inside of um, sort of a in the GraphQL layer, and that that's like a, is a chance where you don't have an ever moving uh, API finish line. Yeah, but uh, like if you like, let's say you wrap your existing API, so you show how cool is that, then you can potentially show how bad it can be to wrap an existing API. And then you have like, you can convince the client that, you know what, let's just like 
write GraphQL API proper. So it's, right. <laughs> it's kind of steps to go through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just something that worked for me. And um, um, I mean, it's not perfect, right? But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think um, if our listeners will have other ideas, um, um, I totally can like, tweet about that. And Yeah, tweet uh, them yeah. at us. Yeah, totally. I am so, at Gant Laborde. And yeah, well, Vladimir Novik. Yeah. Yeah. So um, another question that I had is like, what are particular challenges that you had um, when um, adopting GraphQL? Or like mm-hmm. maybe not, not you face for them, but like you heard about people facing. Uh, well, I mean, uh, to, to a large degree, I, I think, GraphQL is a bit more of a solution than the problem. Um, it does get a little weird for us because we're using, in some in some instances, we have about three different type systems in play at any given moment. Uh, we'll have TypeScript for static checking, MobX state tree for sort of like a runtime checking of the data, and then you have GraphQL, which is almost like uh, type checking over the wire and um, maintaining a type in three different spots. I feel like we've almost recreated that sort of uh, global headache that you, people used to have as like editing three files every time you want to do something in Redux, right? Yeah. I know Michael Vistrata, uh, Michelle Vistrata is planning on like maybe MobX State Tree combined with GraphQL. Uh, maybe there's some stuff that'll come out of that. But I would love to consolidate types. We have a few tricks. But um, that, that's probably some place where I think like there's a lot of migration happening. And then also, ultimately, if we could assure that we're using GraphQL, then one thing that we could do is, in the end of this, we could actually have um, we could we could get rid of MobX state tree in some instances. I, I'm still trying to like play that ball out, but it's because of the, all those technologies are so new. Gluing them together seems a bit of a headache. Uh, yeah, so like uh, with the specifically like talking about like TypeScript and Mobix State Tree and GraphQL, there is uh, also an option like you can use a local state, uh, yeah. GraphQL local state, and then you basically can uh, use uh, Mobix State Tree for limited uh, things there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, also like speaking of like all new technologies, have you considered using Reason ML with the GraphQL? I so Reason ML is still just a buzzword to me. It's that thing that's super cool. I know you're into it, and I would love to get more into it. Um, but and you knew that was coming. I still haven't found uh like the the draw to it. And uh, for, for, for me to spend the amount of time, because here's the thing, even if I like it and I get into it, I have to swing the magnitude of the entire company behind something like that. So I guess we can kind of throw a few test projects out there, but I really would love to know and use a little bit more reason. Um, the, the issue is that in adopting that, that's a huge bite for, for everybody to switch over to. And I think that's been the thing holding me back from it, even though I really believe in how cool it is. Yeah. So, like for um, our listeners that uh, they didn't he- uh, hear about uh, ReasonML, so ReasonML is uh, like a syntax and toolchain on top of uh, JavaScript and Camel ecosystem. 
So the idea is uh, having, um, um, it's called like the scientific name, it's like Kindler Miller's type system. So mm -hmm. um, the idea is uh, having actual types that compile um, and having types that like one type for one, um, basically one type instance for one type. Uh, opposing like TypeScript or C Sharp, or uh, then you can have like multiple types for for something. And um, while having this one type per instance basically gives you really superior uh, type inference. So you mm -hmm. at any given point you know that this is of uh, type something. For like developing purposes, it means you don't need to type things to get type checking because everything is in field automatically. So yeah, yeah uh, it, it's like a huge uh, like uh, talk for probably uh, different podcasts about like uh, ReasonML. <laughs> so so speaking of uh, ReasonML, so I had like a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it's not a couple of weeks ago because I after we release this recording, there will be uh, several links on uh, about that. There is a ReasonML bootcamp that uh, I did with um, uh, Tyler McGuinness. And uh, it's four days of uh, more than 10 hours bootcamp on ReasonML. Nice. So, yeah, definitely check that if you're interested in ReasonML. The idea, like why I'm talking about ReasonML and GraphQL is because GraphQL has types. And um, it has this concept of introspection query. Um, so the idea is you get all your GraphQL schema um, when you query the, the endpoint. And uh, from reason perspective, it means that you can get all your uh, schema typed. Uh, like long story short, it means that if you're in the comfort of your editor, uh, changing your GraphQL queries, uh, you can have um, um, like complete auto-completion and you can have uh, type checking even if your server is not running and like just oh. like having this schema and it feels like magic <laughs> <laughs> i bet so that's pretty yeah. cool so you definitely should check it out i also like streamed on twitch a talk about that so uh, yeah that that's uh, regarding a reason amount and uh, speaking of uh, michelle westray and um a mobile state tree um actually he said he will be um um guest at our future uh, one of our future podcasts oh nice so, yeah, I'm looking forward for asking him exact uh, like specific question about Mobix State Train and GraphQL. So stay tuned. Yeah, uh, yeah. I hope we uh, we will uh, get him on the on the podcast. <laughs> you need some yeah. dramatic music right here. Dun dun dun. Yeah, I will, I will post <laughs> it later on. That. <laughs> uh, that's perfect. Actually, you know what? <laughs> I think I have some uh, something. Like drums or something. That's it. This is... <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So let, let's continue with our questions. So I have like a couple of um, uh, other small questions. Um, yeah. Like speaking of serverless. So have you developed project using like serverless architecture in Infinitred? Yes. Yeah. We we've used. I mean, uh, so first off, I want to say I hate the name serverless. Right, <laughs> I hate that name. Um, I in in quite a few ways we we've it, I I almost 
want to bypass serverless and go towards the, the initiative of microservices, which, by the way, with that adoption, it would be easier to get people to say, here, here's your API. And instead of like this one insane API, you could actually also have, maybe we'll cover this part of this in GraphQL. You know, maybe we'll we'll use it there. So um, I, I kind of want the adoption of, of more microservices. I know IBM's pushing a lot for those. Um, but but yeah, the, the serverless uh, setup in many, many different manifestations, um, we, we get to work with it. In a few of those, we get to use GraphQL. Uh, but I, I think it's definitely the future is that that we sort of like bring this this kind of classic functional programming mindset to to the API. Yeah, exactly. So that that's like the reasoning uh, uh, around the three factor Apple architecture. Nice. So having uh, serverless in a sense of like functional programming concept, right? So mm-hmm. uh, like. Um, it's like real-time GraphQL, uh, async serverless, and reliable eventing, which means is like your events are triggered by, um, uh, let's say, manipulations in database. And these events mm-hmm. basically trigger uh, serverless functions. And all your yeah. like events are stored in event log, and basically your process things from event log. It, it, it means, in a sense, that you don't need to do like um, lots of uh, synchronous uh, transactions. Um, like like usual use case in the old architecture uh, style is um, when you like do some custom logic, then you open connection to database, database pool, you do like transaction, you commit and that's it, right? So with idea of uh, having these like granularly, you can, um, Basically, like unit test anything, everything is like functional, everything is uh, like immutable and stuff like that. So that's uh, like the main idea. I, I think yeah. that's the future by far. It's it's so cool. Yeah. Um, so um, another question that I had here is um, um, apart from web and mobile, we talked a little bit about like. AR and VR and like a bunch of other stuff. So like what other platforms that you see can benefit from, from using GraphQL APIs? I, I think that, you know, like that's really a bit of the, the, the fun initiative is like the AR, the VR, and by far like the internet of things kind of stuff. I think like, I remember, <laughs> I remember you kind of, uh, used GraphQL at uh, React Amsterdam, right? Uh, where you were turning on and off a light with GraphQL. Uh, and it's sort of like this, This um, as devices get smaller and we actually kind of get them in hand, like the Pi Zero is a $5 computer, right? Um, yeah. Managing all these devices and getting that information and real-timing it through servers and interacting with it like that's that's super cool to me, you know. Uh, you've you've got we've gone from a day where a household has a computer, and now everybody in a household has a computer, and then uh, after that, every room also gets a computer, right? Like we have the the you know the smart devices that are listening, and then we have smart light bulbs. Like 
we're just going to be surrounded by this. And unless we actually have a good way to maintain all that data and actually react with all that data, I don't, I don't see, uh, I don't see anybody like um, keeping their sanity. So <laughs> I think GraphQL is a great application for that. Um, what do you think about that? Cause like, honestly, you've, you've got way more experience uh, than me on, on the internet of things with the, the light bulb stuff you've done. Yeah, so like like the uh, there is um, like bunch of uh, things that can be done. Basically, the, when we're talking about like smart homes and IoT stuff, there are like two categories. Basically, there are much more than that, but let's um, like group it by two categories. There are a bunch of APIs that are already created by smart products vendors, mm-hmm. um, and maybe like you want to create your own app that uses these um, APIs, but like leveraging GraphQL capabilities and having some additional custom logic on top of that. And um, you totally can do that with uh, with GraphQL and actually it will be pretty fast. And another thing is like you mentioned that uh, like Pi Zero cost uh, is really low, but I can tell you like further, like we don't need processing power at all of... Uh, Right. Right. For it's, example, it's... Um, like an architecture that we can do for uh, like different IoT things, as soon as we have Wi-Fi connection, we can send um, basically the raw data to uh, AWS IoT things in like AWS. Mm-hmm. Then let's say we want to process this data, right? So we define IoT rule that is streamed into Kinesis data streams, then we actually get the raw data, right? That is passed through Lambda function and gets into some kind of database, right? Then um, on this database, you you can query, you can do like whatever you want. Like uh, we can actually bring it further. Like for example, if uh, like Hasura gives you real time GraphQL, right? So on top Mm -hmm. of Postgres. So if let's say I have IoT things uh, goes into IoT rule, then Kinesis Lambda and stores in some kind of Postgres database. I can use this database, running Hasura Engine on it and getting GraphQL subscriptions from my actual like IoT data, which can be processed in batches. It can be like grouped by, let's say, once a minute or something like that, because you don't want a huge amount of data, right? But right. this this is a concept that is more scalable for like big apps for let's say smart cities or small like like big implementations. But if you want like to play around with like um, wrapping um, existing smart homes API with something uh, like GraphQL, actually you know what we can actually do that. We can actually stream and and let's stream that on Twitch. So I have this idea that I love we can it. totally do. So I, um, if I remember correctly, you have Philips Hue light bulbs at home, right? <laughs> I have uh, Philips Hue and I have uh, Z-Wave, both of them. Yeah. And, so and I have a couple Hue. of weird bulbs too, yeah. So I have Philips Hue. What we can do, we can actually live stream both of us creating uh, an app that will use, uh, that will use uh, Philips Hue API. And we'll wrap it with GraphQL. And uh, we'll, for example, I will turn on the light bulb using GraphQL mutation at your home, and you will turn light bulb at my home. And we like love that. We're like thousands of kilometers away, right? 
Dude, you're on the other side of the planet from me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think amazing. right now I'm like completely on the on the other side because like currently <laughs> I'm recording this from India, so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I I that is like the proof of concept that just every nerd brain like the ideas you can do after you know controlling a light bulb. <laughs> it, it's just amazing. There there was a commercial uh, that happened here in the states. I want to say. 20 years ago where there was this one light switch and the person was like, what does this one light switch do? And they're flipping it on and off and on and off. And in the meantime, some house in uh, like Germany or wherever, they're like, that light's acting up again and the light's going on and off and on and off. And it was a hilarious commercial, but what's really great about it is it's becoming a reality. (laughs) I I love this idea. Uh, cool. Let's let's do that. I I will uh, do this uh, live stream, uh, like schedule this live stream. Um, I think by the moment this uh, podcast will be released, we'll have a page for that. And yeah, totally. Let let's do that. Nice. Uh, so this is for IoT part. We uh, there is also like AR and VR part, which uh, like the new hot thing basically is like location based AR, right? Mm-hmm. So we can totally combine between. Uh, like different like location data and uh, like let's say images or objects in AR and get this data from from database and like querying GraphQL API and stuff like that. And I will actually be talking about that at um, AgentConf, uh, which will nice. be next month. Uh, and um, in addition to that, I will be giving a workshop at Chain React about like how you create a store app with AR and GraphQL. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, yeah, stay tuned. I think the announcement is already there. Yeah. The moment of the release. Um, yeah, so, like, uh, sign for the workshop and, uh, like, see you at the AgentConf conference. Um, yeah, so th- these are, like, things um, that I wanted to discuss. And um, also, like, I want to uh, ask if you want... Um, want to be a panelist for the future podcast yeah uh, yeah absolutely you have like tons of questions and, and <laughs> ideas and, and yeah we can totally uh it will be totally uh, great uh, i i'm i'm here yeah. to ask all the dumb questions right so yeah. anybody yeah. who's like what is happening I, I good that's what my first question all the time <laughs> yeah and I know you are like into AI things and machine learning lately. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we totally need to do some kind of like podcast on like explicitly on that, just like brainstorming ideas of how we can use both AI love it. and uh, GraphQL and serverless and may- maybe even like live stream that and something like that. Yeah, you'd have to name that like the all the buzzwords uh, episode. We'd I have need to add blockchain. Yes, well, uh, we'll figure that out because yeah, you you need your fridge mining Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. I will come up with some creative uh, name. Love yeah. it. Uh, cool. So uh, to wrap up uh, our episode for today, um, like I want to ask you if you have some picks uh, for uh, like what people should check and yeah, like uh, well. 
I, I would love for people to get to, you know, if I, I'll be interacting more, I'd love for people to get to know a little bit more about me. Um, so I have gantlabord.com. I'd love for people to want to get trained by people like you and me, uh, like, cause we're, we're going to make teaching stuff fun. So, um, you can always reach out and I think like academy.infinite.red. And then ultimately, if you have a product that needs to be built and, or if you need your team to build a product, I think that infinite red's like a great alternative that, so those three things, I'm speaking at Ford.js. I'll be speaking about machine learning and React Native at Amazon. Um, I'll speak at DevNexus, Refactor. So I have a couple of conferences already lined up. But what I would love to do is sort of uh, kind of like get the audience to reach out to me on Twitter and, and let me know what they would want to hear more about. Uh, yeah, I think I will... Um... Uh, still, uh, <laughs> you're big for, for, for this one too. Good call. Like, if, if people want to reach out um, and like learn new things in anything, like on my side from like web, mobile, um, AR, VR, IoT uh, fields, and yeah, obviously for AI, reach to Ghent. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so um, feel free to just like. DM me on Twitter or just add me on, uh, on Twitter or like mention me. And um, that, that's one thing. Other thing, um, we talked a lot about like three-factor architecture. So mm -hmm. there is um, an, uh, a website explaining how this architecture looks like and where it can be implemented with various, uh, uh, um, like various implementations. Uh, another thing, like, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, like I work as a developer advocate at Hasura and we, uh, have this open source. The important part is like, it's an open source engine and you can run it on top of any Postgres. You can deploy it to any cloud of your choice. And like, uh, the, uh, there are basically no real limits to what you can do with it. Uh, so totally, def uh, totally check this out. Um, and their logo is really cool. I have yeah, to go thanks. with that. I really <laughs> love that logo. I think the logo was uh, like even cooler before, but recently they kind of updated it to a flat icon, and I and I love it. You have the old logo. Yeah. It's it's for yeah. nightmares. I think is the old logo. It's super. It's yeah. badass. <laughs> but we have we have a bunch of uh, so we we are doing custom stickers for conferences. So nice. if you yeah, so if you see me at AgentConf or NDC Portal, that's like the closest conferences that, that I will be. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously at Chain React, I have custom uh, stickers for each one of these conferences. So yeah, definitely. Uh, awesome. Uh, ping me on uh, on um, like at the find me on the at the conference and I will give you the stickers. I have a bunch of them. Um, yeah, so uh, cool. I think uh, with this note and yeah, that that's my picks for for today. Ah, another pick, really important one, is if you if you're new to GraphQL, like if you haven't tried GraphQL it, or if you're interested to learn it. Uh, like really well from the very beginning uh, for uh, on fr uh, both on front end or, and on back end for like Node. Uh, 
Um, I will be uh, doing a workshop um, at tylermaginis.com. Um, it will it's it's a four day full stack GraphQL workshop, and the front end examples there will be with um, React, Vue, and Angular. So if you oh nice listen to this podcast and you Angular person or Vue person or React person, and you want to learn GraphQL. Um, how to use it on the client you want to learn how to use it on the server and create your own node uh, server you can check the, this um uh, this bootcamp um and it's totally free so it's four days free bootcamp uh, yeah uh, that's my final pick um yeah to wrap this episode we will have a bunch of other uh, announcements for next episodes uh, released soon and we have already a bunch of uh, really cool people in the community uh, that confirmed as a speaker so we'll be doing this on a constant basis so um sign up for the for the podcast and we'll have a newsletter um yeah and thanks so much again for uh oh man thanks for having our- me yeah, being part of this uh, podcast and being uh, essential part for the future uh, podcast as a panelist. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel we will have uh, really fun with like next uh, podcast and streams and whatnot. I'm looking forward to streaming, like uh, to doing the code, the live stream code. And uh, I'm, I assume you'll have links to it in this podcast at some point as well once we finally do it. So yeah, uh, let let the mad scientists of the world unite. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. Um, stay tuned for the future updates, and uh, see you on the next episode.